Welcome to the Other Side Sports Podcast. I'm Joe, and I got my man, Anthony, on. Anthony, how you doing, my brother? Doing good, man. Beautiful weather here, like 75 degrees. going to be a good weekend, man. How about you? How's uh, Georgia life? Georgia life is pretty good, man. We had some rough weather. Um, some uh, pretty bad tornado touchdown in Noonan, Georgia. And, you know, just would like to send out uh, thoughts on the people that were affected there. We had some pretty hard rain on Thursday night, man, and actually woke me up. Actually scared the heck out of me, dude. So um, today it's a little overcast. Uh I think we're going to have rain in and out, man, but for the most part, it's all good, man. It's the weekend. Got a little uh, Sweet 16 going on. We got Formula One starting up this weekend. Of course, you know we got that uh, NBA trade deadline we got to discuss. And also, we got the Bristol uh, dirt race. So we got a lot, brother. Yeah, man, we do. Uh, Before we get started here, let me just put my thoughts and uh, prayers out to Virginia Beach. you know, man, that's close to home for me. Uh, another mass shooting, unfortunately, in Virginia Beach uh, last night. So, you know, that's a vacation spot that I've spent, man, probably seven, eight uh, vacation trips on. I had some friends go last year and I wasn't able to go due to, uh, you know, COVID-19. Um, but have a, a friend of mine that actually lives down in that area. Um, so, you know, just want to just want to set my thoughts and prayers out to them guys, man. When it's starting to hit real close to home for me right now. And that was very eye opening seeing that this morning. Yeah, absolutely, man. Absolutely. Uh, prayers up to everybody who was involved in that terrible uh, tragedy, my man. But. Yeah, well, yeah, let's start with the NBA, man. Uh, I know me and you were kind of texting back and forth throughout the trade deadline. So a couple big moves at the trade deadline, but let's start with the Clippers uh, because, you know, that's the team I'm most interested in. So uh, Rajon Rondo traded to the Clippers for uh, Lou Williams uh, and a couple second-round picks, which really doesn't mean a whole lot in the NBA. Um, But, man, I'll tell you, I originally, when I first saw that, man, I thought of you because – you always say there'll be a trade made that we're not talking about. Uh, Jerry West works in silos, and that's exactly what happened. I saw nothing about, you know, Rondo coming to the Clippers, but I was stoked to see that. So what's your reaction uh, from that trade? Yeah, man, you know, I talked about it. We talked about it. The Clippers needed a point guard. They, they needed somebody to orchestrate the offense. I mean, Kawhi and PG, they can, you know, they can play on the ball. They can play off the ball, but obviously – um, they'll be more effective, especially Kawhi getting to his spots. You know what I'm saying? Kawhi gets to his spots, especially with the mid-range. Man, he's deadly. He just doesn't miss. Same thing with Paul George. Those guys are, just like I said, they're good players, but they are not alpha males. They are, they are not alpha males in terms of the leadership aspect of, you know, directing a team, which that, you know, um, unfortunately bared out for Clippers fans last year in the playoffs when they had to collapse, okay? But now you got a guy in Rondo who's just so freaking smart. Everybody talks about how smart he is, all the film study that he does. Um, He's like a coach out there, you know? And everybody know there is playoff Rondo. He's going to show up. He's going to be accounted for when the moment is the biggest. Um, I thought it was a great move for y'all. I hate it for my Lakers. You know, because if it's uh, L.A. versus L.A., um, you'll see that chess match between Ty Lue and Vogel and Rondo and Braun. And and it's going to be very exciting, man. So that's a great move for the Clippers, man. Yeah, man, I thought so, too. Um, My initial reaction was just joy. (laughs) I wish they would have made that season, that uh, move before the season. I wish they would have brought Rondo in, you know, and signed him before the season started. Uh, but, you know, really it's a win-win for the Clippers. Not only do you add Rajon Rondo, but I'm still telling you, man, a lot of what I'm reading from the L.A. reporters, Lou Williams was just not a fit in that locker room. He did not get along with Kawhi or Paul George. So to kind of get him moved out, I think actually helps the Clippers more than anything. I mean, I've been kind of texting you about some of these guys too. Like, you know, I believe that Lou Williams was getting rotated out anyways. I think Terrence Mann was going to get a lot of those minutes uh, in that shooting guard spot. And, you know, he stepped up. I look for him to be big down the stretch. But, yeah, Rondo is just leading 
leadership and and what to do in playoff time and just you know never a moment's never going to be too big for Rondo. I think it's going to be huge for the Clippers. I'm interested to see how they're going to use him uh, for the regular season. Uh, some a lot of people think he's coming off the bench. I think he's going to start. So we'll we'll see, man. I mean, the uh, Clippers do not have a true point guard. I really believe he's going to start and it, uh, it's going to basically take Pat Bev's spot out of the starting lineup. But we'll we'll, we'll see how that rolls. But even if he's coming off the bench, come playoff time, when the you know game's on the line, he's going to be in that five. I believe he takes Pat Bev's spot out of the five. Uh, I think that him, you know, George Kawhi. And, and then uh, uh, probably Marcus Morris slash Batum and then Ibaka are probably going to be the five you're going to roll with, you know, when, when the game's on the line. So very, very happy for that trade. I think it's big for the Clippers. And I just – I think now we finally have that true point guard. There's no more, you know, who's going to run the offense, who's the offense running through. It puts Paul George back in a more natural spot, puts Kawhi back in a natural spot. And, yeah, man, I'm just I'm, – I'm stoked for that trade. So – very happy, and I think that definitely gives the Clippers a slight edge in the West uh, having Rondo. Oh, yeah, and I don't know if he's necessarily playing tonight. I know they, the Sixers play y'all tonight on NBA TV at 10, but I don't know if Ray John will actually be in the lineup tonight, so we'll see how that goes. But uh, the only thing that concerns me just a little bit about Rondo, and just like I said, once again, this is regular season Rondo right now, but looks like he's averaging about four points. I know he's kind of been – he was in and out of the Hawks lineup. I know he battled, you know, a couple of minor injuries. Um, and I think he – if I'm not mistaken, he's maybe right at 40% on threes, but not as many attempts. And obviously that's due to how he's been used there. I think he was more of a, a, a catalyst in terms of a leader role for getting Trey Young and those guys on the same page. I know John Collins really talked about how um, Rondo helped him immensely in terms of professionalism and how to – you know, approach the game from that standpoint, and so did Trey Young. So I'm thinking that uh, you guys, this is all about playoff Rondo, and I think just like I said, when the rubber meets the road, he'll be ready. He'll definitely be in the closing lineup no matter what, whether he starts or he uh, comes off the bench. We know come crunch time he'll be in that lineup and he'll be dissecting and reading and reacting and doing the things that he does gets those sneaky steals and all kind of things that can irritate you now I loved it last year but I won't like it this year but <laughs> it is what it is man so yeah Clippers made a great move obviously uh the Lakers uh the Lakers didn't do anything there was some flirtation with Cal Lowry and possibly uh you know uh bringing him to LA but I think um, I was listening to the mismatch that's KLC and Chris Vernon um, um, under the ringer. And they were uh, uh, Vernon actually was pretty funny. He said that uh, when it came down to it, when they decided uh, THT was not going to be involved in the trade, they called LeBron and said, do you want THT to go? And LeBron said, no, that makes the deal. <laughs> so it was pretty funny. He was joking that uh, – of course, they ran that by LeBron, but uh, I, I I just felt like I got a lot of respect for Lowry and and what he did in Toronto, especially when you know he's with Kawhi and them boys and they won the championship. But at the same time, you're you're not going to give up that much um, for a 35 year old point guard who was not going to re-sign with you because he's also looking for uh like a two-year 50 million dollar contract before he gets out of there. So they weren't going to sacrifice the future for that. So. We'll shift to the buyout market. Hopefully we can get uh, Drummond or whoever's out there. And the biggest thing for us is we got to get AD and Braun back and get them healthy and get them some games before the playoffs, man, and don't fall into the uh, playoff, in, into the uh, playing round. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think I don't think the Lakers are done yet. I think Andre Drummond is going to be a Laker before the end of next week. That's my, my just – First, you know, just, just reaction thought. I, I really believe that. Um, now, I don't know how Andre Drummond is going to fit into that necessarily uh, rotation. 
especially when they get AD back. So I'm kind of interested to, to hear your uh, thoughts on that since, you know, you're the Lakers guy. But, yeah, I don't believe the Lakers are done. And then the other team that I thought really won uh, the trade deadline was Denver Nuggets. Man, I thought the Nuggets acquire, acquiring Aaron Gordon and Gary Clark Jr. were both two pretty big, uh, big deals. Um, I just think you add those guys on there with the Jamal Murray, with the Joker, you know, with the Michael Porter Jr., with what they already got there in Denver, you know, that that's pretty, pretty stout. So, uh, you know, I know Denver, we had that, you know, uh, I guess you call it a, I called it a, a massacre last year in game seven uh, where we, you know, got gotten knocked out by the Nuggets, but I, I do not want to place face the Nuggets again this year. I think the Nuggets are a team that could easily either knock out the Clippers or the Lakers if they get them in the playoffs, uh, especially now with adding those pieces. So just kind of want your thoughts on the Nuggets adding those pieces. And then, you know, how does Andre Drummond fit in to the Lakers if they do sign them, which I believe they're going to. Yeah. So start with the Nuggets first. Yeah. I was, uh, I was on a, uh, was on a NBA, uh, was on the NBA podcast yesterday in the locker room. Um, and we talked about uh, the Nuggets, man. Uh, basically, Aaron Gordon is replacing uh, uh, Jeremy. Uh, oh, what's Jeremy's last name? Golly. The kid that went to Detroit. Um, Jeremy Grant. Yeah, he's Jeremy replacing Grant, yep. him. Yeah, he's replacing him. Um, obviously, uh, I think it's going to be the, I, I just think he's going to fit in seamlessly. I think it still allows, uh, Michael Porter Jr. to continue his role coming off the bench. Um, and then, you know, obviously you add him with Joker and, and Murray, man, you, they, they're, they're going to be potent, man. And then they got JaVale McGee to, to offer some rim protection, which I thought was really good. And JaVale used to be a nugget early in his career. And I think the JaVale they're getting now is going to be, uh, more useful based on his championship pedigree. And uh, so, yeah, man, the Nuggets are going to be strong, man. I'll tell you what, they are not a team that I want the Lakers to face in the first couple of rounds because that will be tough. That's something that could definitely go seven um, if they face the Lakers with the Lakers, you know, with AD and LeBron ramping back up, man. So they really helped themselves. Drummond, man. If the Lakers can get Drummond, you know, I always tell people it's kind of a baseball term. He's an innings eater, right? So he'll go in there and grab the rebounds and get a lot of points. Um, he, he, uh, I don't necessarily, I mean, defensively, I was looking at some metrics. He, he's hit or miss. It's obviously matchup driven, just like everything is in the NBA. But I just think having that big body there where AD doesn't necessarily have to do anything until maybe in the later rounds if they advance and go to the five, I think Drummond would be the actual. I mean, he's just a big body, man. He just he just eats rebounds like it's crazy, offensive and defensive. So I think he'd fit in. I think it's, he's at that point in his career where he's made the money. And I think now he really wants to win a, win a title. But, man, there's a lot of the suitors uh, out there. The Celtics have kind of, you know, come to the uh, table. Then there's something with New York and possibly Brooklyn and even the Clippers, too. But supposedly the Lakers are the front runners, and I would like for us to get them. But we'll see, man. I mean, somebody could come up and say, hey, you know, even though we're going to get you on the buyout, we could offer you a two-year deal or something next year. So you never know, man. Uh, I hope we can get them. But, man, it's just so much competition out there for them right now. Yeah, I'll tell you, uh, to me, Andre Drummond would fit in the Lakers kind of like Dwight Howard did last year. Yep, that would absolutely. Be, he would be a Dwight Howard 2.0. If you look at the guy's numbers, man, he averages 14 rebounds a game throughout his career. So you're mm -hmm. right. He's just a, a rebounding machine, and he's a double-digit scorer. I mean, he averages – he's a double-double guy, man. He averages 12 points, 14 rebounds for his career. So the guy's going to give you energy. He's going to be the rim protector that you need, and he's going to eat up those rebounds. Um, I know you just kind of brought in it a little. I would love for the Clippers to sign Andre Drummond too, because I think that's something they miss when um, when Serge Ibaka goes out. And I know Zubac is a good player, but Zubac's kind of undersized to be a natural center. So I just think Drummond would be a really good fit to that back team. Whenever you know having either Ibaka or Drummond on the floor at all times to me would also the would would offer the ultimate rim protection slash rebounding. So I would love to see the Clippers sign him as well. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see who sign who he signs with here in the next week. My gut's telling me that it's going to be the Lakers. 
Um, but we'll see how that rolls. And yeah, you brought up a great point with JaVel McGee too. Um, to me, he fits into that Mason, Mason Plumley role. Uh, Plumley was the guy last year that when Joker needed a break, it win the playoffs, which wasn't much. I mean, we're talking about, you know, 12 minutes a game or something, but Plumley came in and played really well, high energy, got a lot of rebounds, could hit the, could shoot the ball. And that's pretty much everything that JaVel can, you know, do. JaVel's not much of a jump shooter, obviously, but he can jump, jump out of the gym still even at his age now he still has mad hops he can get up he can you know dunk rebound all that kind of stuff so yeah those were all those those little role players are all good signings um because because we know if you look at the history of basketball the stars are going to do their things in the playoffs but it's what those role players can do that, that are going to win you championships and that's why i believe that the the lakers were really smart in not getting rid of like a KCP or a THT or, or, or any of those guys to try to get like a Kyle Lowry, because I think you guys are going to need all those P role player pieces come the playoffs. I mean, KCP was on fire for you guys in the bubble last year. I could make the argument that, you know, if he didn't do what he did at times, the Lakers might not have won the championship. So I, uh, you know, th- those are all just, just big things that happen. And so it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out, man. I'm really excited for the rest of the season. Yeah, man. No, you're right. And I know this is, you know, it, you know, obviously this is something not uh, big to Lakers fans, but last night, man, the Lakers played Cleveland, man. And I'll tell you what, just to see the, what I felt was the old KCP in terms of his body language. And I know the trade deadline was affecting him and you could just tell he felt a little bit more freer last night and he played like KCP, um, we got Marcus all back, and there was just a lot more energy to the offense last night. So just like I said, I get it. You know, the Lakers look terrible right now, but when you take away two, I would say, top seven players in those role players, they, they're, they're almost going up two more levels to a role that they're not really used to, you know what I'm saying? So they're kind of playing above their heads, really. And, and so, you know, I was talking to this one guy, and he was talking about the slotting of role players on a basketball team is that as long as they're in their role and things are humming, they, they can really – that's what causes that cohesion for the team, you know. But when you're, when you're asking some of these guys that normally play, you know, 10 to 15 minutes, they all of a sudden got to play 30 and at a high level. It's just not going to happen, man, you know. So – uh, I thought they found some rhythm last night. And just like I said, I just need for our two stars to get back so we can at least compete. Because right now, man, we're going to be in a dogfight. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And then, you know, just to kind of warn you, because I know you, you as a Lakers fan, man, I feel like you've always got your eye on that Clippers team, don't you? Every every time they're playing, you've got your eye on that Clippers. You want to see what they got. Uh, oh, I know, know they got I'm a big game tonight. against Oh, I, well, that's why I'm warning you now. Um, I don't expect the Clippers to try tonight, I'll be honest with you. Um, they've already got uh, – Abaka's already out. Uh, Pat Bev's already out. Kawhi's listed as questionable. Marcus Morris is listed, listed as questionable. The other night they played – I can't remember who they played, but they won with the basically Spurs. nobody playing. Was Yes, it was the Spurs. Yeah. You're right. Like yeah. nobody played. Kawhi didn't play. You know, Pat Bev didn't play, Morris didn't play. I mean, they were rolling uh, the, the deep part of the bench, getting guys into the rotation. So we'll see if Kawhi or Morris play tonight. It looks like Rondo, from the rumors, he is going to play tonight. It's what I'm hearing. Um, but he might, you know, he might be playing, but a lot of guys might not. So we'll see how it goes, man. It'll. It, I'll be interested if it's a full, healthy Clippers, you know, team for the most part. I'll be interested to see what they can do against the Sixers tonight. Yeah, 10 for old playoff P and old Reggie Jackson put it on the Spurs the other night. <laughs> yeah, yeah, don't I man, Reggie Jackson, man, don't expect that from him. There, man, I am scared to death of Reggie Jackson getting minutes in the playoffs. I'm not gonna lie, man. I know he has these sparks where everybody looks at him like he's a pure scorer, but let me tell you, in big moments, I've seen that guy come up too small too many times. So I hope the Clippers can get healthy, get back, Pat Bev, hopefully back, get Rondo in there. So I don't have to see Reggie Jackson eating these minutes up in the playoffs because that scares me to death. Absolutely, man. Hey, let's go over to the East right quick. What do you think about the Miami Heat, man, and what they did with Victor Oladipo um, getting him uh, from the Rockets? Yeah, man, I like what the Heat did. Um, The Heat, not only were they able to get 
Victor Oladipo, but, you know, a lot of people were talking about the Heat potentially having to get rid, you know, to get a good player. They were going to have to get rid of a Tyler Hero or a Duncan Robinson. They were talking about trading a couple of them guys maybe for Kyle Lowry. And I thought that was just a bad move. I thought those guys, Robinson and, and Hero, at, at this stage of their career, both really young. I don't think either one of them have even come close to hitting their potential yet. So to be able to hold on to both of those pieces is big. I like the Oladipo, uh, bringing him in. You know, he can score. I feel like he fits well with Jimmy Butler. I think they'll be a good one-two combination. And then obviously with the young guys that, that I just mentioned as well, plus, uh, plus Bam, you know, holding it down. I like what the Heat have done. I, I still don't think the Heat are up there anywhere close to where the Nets are. I think the Nets are just far and away better than everybody else in the East. Uh, and I don't also put the Heat up there quite with the Sixers or the Bucks, but I put the Heat solidly in that four or five range in the East, uh, especially with Adnola Depot. And, you know, we saw it last year. If, if they're able to get hot in the right time and Jimmy Butler at times can just play out of his mind like he did in the bubble last year, you know, who knows, maybe they can upset one of these Eastern conference teams, but I like what they did, but I still think I still got them the fourth best team in the East. Yeah, man. I, um, I, I, I'm going to go a little opposite on that. I think once they, they're, they're what a couple of games under 500 right now and they got to kind of mesh all this together. But I just think with like Iguodala or Bam, Drogic, uh, Butler, uh, Nunn. They just got – they've got so many different types of combinations. Um, and then you got those shooters with Robinson and um, and Hero. I just think that they will have the flexibility when it comes time to be able to go mono a mono with the, with the Nets. You know what I'm saying? I know right now it looks a little murky. They, but I think once they get it figured out, I really think you got, you got a person like uh, – Butler, who can say, all right, follow me. And I, I just don't see them backing down from the Nets. I don't see them being intimidated. And I see them being able to match up and at least slow those guys down a little bit. You know what I'm saying? But ultimately, uh, I would still put Brooklyn number one. Um, I know I had started to get on the uh, the Bucks bandwagon a little bit. And then, of course, they crapped the bed last night uh, against the Celtics. So it, the East is going to be tough, man. We, I know me and you focus on the West, but I think the battle coming out of the East is going to be really, really tough this year. No, you're right. I mean, it's kind of the way I look at the Eastern Conference, though, it's kind of a microcosm of the standings. If you look at it, uh, you know, the Sixers, the Nets, and the Bucks have the best record by far. They're the three best teams. You know, they have a, a, a sizable advantage over everybody else. But then everybody else is jumbled, man. You got the Hornets, the Knicks, the Hawks, the Celtics, the Heat, the Pacers. All of them are within, like, two games of each other. So I just think the Heat are the best team of, of all those I just mentioned that are in that cluster because of playoff experience, because they have a star in Jimmy Butler. Uh, unfortunately, you know, Charlotte losing uh, losing ball to that wrist injury, that's a killer for them. And I hate that because I was really looking forward to seeing him down the stretch. I was really looking forward to seeing him in a playoff series, to be honest, man. So I guess he broke his wrist and probably going to miss the rest of the year. So it sounds like we're going to get cheated out of that this year, which stinks. But, yeah, man, I'm, I just, I'm very intrigued by the East as well. I just – I watched Blake play the other day. Uh, his first game last week, I've kept up with him a little bit this week. And I just think when they get everybody back healthy, I think Blake 100% was uh, was absolutely not trying to Detroit. When I saw him playing this week, I mean, he hasn't flashed, you know, huge or anything like that to me. He doesn't look like the old Blake yet, but he's still getting his legs off from under him. But there's no doubt that he was just not trying to Detroit. He wanted up out of there. So I just give the Nets a sizable advantage over anybody else in the East right now. I just cannot see anybody being able to beat them, especially when KD comes back, starts doing his thing. Harden's been playing out of his mind. It's just we'll see, man. But that Eastern Conference is going to be fun in the playoffs, but it's going to be a little less fun now that we lost uh, lost Lamelo. Yeah, man. I um, and actually on the Lamelo front, I was looking at NBA TV. Apparently, though, there may still be a chance that he could play. He's not officially been ruled out for the season, so hopefully they get. I mean, first of all, hopefully they won't jeopardize the kid. You know what I'm saying? Risk for 
a, a playoff, you know, for his first playoff series win. He's probably got a lot more to come based on what Charlotte has built down there. They got a nice little foundation. So hopefully they'll make the smart decision. And if they need to hold them out, they'll hold them out. But yeah, man, I was laughing last night. The little Blake alley oop dunk there, man, where he <laughs> kind of, I was like, you know what? Come on, man. But hey, it is what it is. They, Brooklyn's going to get theirs. The basketball gods don't like ugly. Him and Harden will have to pay for what, for, for, for the seeds they have planted. That's all I'm going to say. They will have to pay. What do you think about Harding saying that he's the MVP? Simple. That, that's just all to it. He's the MVP. It's that simple. Yeah, Harden's an idiot, and I can't stand James Harden anyway. So I'm tired. I don't. I don't root for the Nets because of James Harden. But James, let me just call you out for a second. If you were the MVP, then why were you performing at the level you were performing in Houston? Why didn't you make all those players better around you in Houston for the first, you know, few weeks of the season until you basically? What it looks like to me, you ate and then and then you know cried your way out of Houston. So, and if the NBA gives James Harden any kind of MVP award, that is just a travesty, and it should come. It should be the McDonald's MVP award if they give it to James Harden. That, that's I mean, let's be real, man. He was about as unprofessional as it gets coming into the season. Way overweight, crying, just just I, I just yeah. Now, no James Harden for MVP. I don't know what your thoughts are, but I'm not. I'm not having any of that. Hey man, I back up everything you just said, man. He he's got to be crazy, man. And if the NBA does do that, oh my God, shame on them. Hey, some sneaky moves too. What about uh, Evan Fournier going from the Magic to the Celtics? What, how do you think that will affect Boston? I know they were in play for Aaron Gordon, but as usual, Danny Ainge doesn't really pull the trigger when he needs to. But what do you think of that Fournier to Boston? Boston looked pretty good last night. Yeah, Boston looks good, but they need a star, man. And that's just not quite what they, they needed. To me, if I was Boston, I would have tried to go out and get a Kyle Lowry because it just seems like they're missing just something. I know we've got like the, you know, Tatum and these guys, these young kids all there. But I just feel like Boston for the last several years has missed that, you know, superstar player who has proven – I thought maybe even a James Harden would have been a really good fit for him to go join them in Boston. Uh, but yeah, just, I, I just, man, I just cannot, I just don't take the Celtics seriously, man. I have like no faith in them doing anything in the playoffs. And I would honestly be shocked if they don't, you know, get knocked out of the first round. I expect them to get knocked out of the first round. And then real quick back to, before you get your thoughts on the Celtics and just for us, I don't forget here. Can we stop all this, like, nonsense about who's going to be the rookie of the year now that LaMelo Ball got hurt? Like, I was reading something where they were saying this kid uh, from the Timberwolves now, Edwards, she's probably is the front runner to win rookie of the year. Yeah, you kidding me, man. Like, what LaMelo Ball did before he got hurt, to me, he's already locked in rookie of the year up. Give it to him right now. It's over. I don't care if he doesn't play another minute the rest of the year. It's done. He's the MVP. So, them clowns need to get away from that stuff. I couldn't believe reading that, man. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, Edwards, that kid's a stud. Don't, don't get me wrong, but it's not translating into winning. Um, you know, he's in that morbid uh, Timberwolves franchise there. He's a bright spot, and and I think he'll have a great career. But, yeah, you're right. I just think LaMelo's impact, man, has been La- – LaMelo's a freaking star, man. Just jumps off the screen. I, you know, I always tell you, man, I always tell you, Anytime my wife looks at something and she says something about somebody like, whoa, who's that guy? That tells me he's a star. I'm serious, man. And and, and that always happens. He just leaps off the screen, man. Yeah, and look what he wins and losses. I mean, he has Charlotte. Right now, Charlotte's the number four seed in the East. I mean, other yeah. than other than your son, who was on here for telling us how good Charlotte was going to be before the year started, and I didn't believe him. Nobody predicted that Charlotte was going to be that good, man. So, I mean, Lamelo's the real deal, um, and that's just you know he he's he won MVP. I don't care what anybody else says, and and Charlotte is has a bright future now because they have that kid there that is a star, I think that's going to attract other free agents to maybe go play with him in Charlotte with Michael Jordan. So I'm actually very high on Charlotte's um, future here over the next several years. I think they're going to be players in the East. You know, I think they're about two years away from being players in the East. 
Oh yeah, yeah. No, they had a great win last night against Miami. Malik Monk and and Terry wrote, uh, Scary Terry had great games. So yeah, Charlotte. Charlotte is they definitely. You know, me and my son talk all the time. They definitely have the foundation, and they're going to be a young up and coming team. Very exciting, and uh, right now they're the league pass darlings of the of the. Uh, of the uh, association. So yeah, another uh, couple of uh, sneaky moves, sneaky moves here. What do you think of uh, Dallas getting JJ Redick and Melly from new Orleans? I just, I personally think it's just more shooters for Luca to be able to spread the floor and kind of do his thing. Cause Luca is playing out of his mind right now. So what do you think of those moves? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, man, JJ Redick, especially he will always have a spot on an NBA franchise because he can hit the three ball. And when you're able to shoot, it doesn't matter how old you are or what you don't do. The fact that you can shoot is good is, is a benefit. Um, so I think that's going to help Luca tremendously. I'll tell you though, sneakily, I don't know, have the numbers right in front of me, but I've been watching Luca a good bit and he has gotten a lot better at shooting the three ball this year. I don't know if the numbers translate to that or, or, or any of that stuff, but just from my eye test, from what I'm seeing, he's a much better shooter this year than last year. So I think that's helped Luca. He's playing absolutely out of his mind. Um, I still think he needs a little bit more help in Dallas. Luca's a superstar. There's no doubt about it. We knew it last year. I think they're a solid team, but I just don't think they'll be able to hang with either a late team or even Utah or potentially even Phoenix uh, in a playoff series. I just, I still think they're just like one other star away uh, from, from being where they need to be. But yeah, man, adding shooters to Luke is just going to make them better. Um, but just still, still need to give him a little bit more help before they can push to that next level. Yeah, man, he's shooting, he's shooting right at about 37% on on threes and uh so so yeah he, he he's he's getting there he's taking about eight a game making right at about three so he yeah he's definitely doing his thing man but it just seems like the kid man he you know like we always talk about Kawhi getting to his spots Luca always gets to his spots man so yeah it's that that kid's just going to get better and better and better and now it looks like Porzingis is starting to really contribute and uh, so, yeah, I like Dallas is sneaky, man. Dallas is really sneaky. And obviously Portland, they made a move and got they got rid of Gary Trent Jr., but they picked up uh, our Norman uh, Norman Powell from the Raptors. And I, I think that's going to be a good move, too. Man, the wet dude, this NBA playoffs is going to be exciting, man. Very, very exciting. Can't wait for it, man. It's going to be great. And then last thing before we move on to the NBA and we'll start talking about some of this NFL stuff we got going on. Um, just because you said Luca or made reminded me of something. So you know how we watch these kids, right? On these NCAA tournament. I watched, I didn't, I'm I'll admit, I didn't watch nearly as much of the NCAA tournament last weekend as I normally do, but I, I always watch and I try to find that star who I think is going to be an NBA star. And I believe I found it uh on the uh, Iowa. Uh, team they got a kid named Luca Garza who is about seven foot tall and can shoot the lights out of the ball he does basically everything for that Iowa team they lost they didn't make the sweet 16 they lost to Oregon but just kind of wanted to call that one out for you to take a look at that man check out Luca Garza he's from DC but his uh both of his uh, parents are have the overseas stuff going on but when you're seven foot and you can shoot the ball that's pretty much uh that's pretty much deadly, and he's also got a nice little post move and pretty good rebounder too. So I already can see, you know, I, when I saw John Morant in the end, in the uh, tournament a few years ago, I knew he was a star just watching him for five minutes, and that's kind of the feeling I got with Garza as well. So just wanted to throw that name at you as well. Yeah, I'll check him out, man. And I also like that guy, uh, the guy with the funny mustache, uh, plays for the uh, the Loyola Chicago, I think it's Krupzig or whatever his name is. Yep, he seems to be uh, has that type of European style game where uh, he can pick and pop, pick and roll. He can um, spot up. So yeah, man, I'll check it out. We didn't really have anything going on today, so I'll, I'll definitely take a dabble into some uh, Sweet Sixteen basketball and see what we got there. Well, look, man, let's go to NFL, man. Uh, how about our Cowboys? Yeah, man. So Dallas hasn't made huge splashes in free agency, but what they've done so far, I'm pretty happy with. So holy safety signings. That's what it's been for the Cowboys. So they signed uh, the Keanu Neal, who you called, you know, weeks ago, which was uh, a great signing. 
And then they also signed, uh, what is it, Kamaza or how do you Kamazi? How do you say that guys from Atlanta? They signed the um, golly, Kamazi is what I call them too. But Kamaze, I know exactly. Kamazi or yeah. Kamaze or absolutely the, the Atlanta you, connection is what I call them. Yep, the Atlanta connection. And then they also got uh, what Curse for he was a uh, safety for the uh, for the Lions as well. Um, who, who's not a too bad of a player either. So, yeah, it looks like Dallas really Javon cursed. So it looks like they really got, um, you know, better at, to me at the safety spot. It sounds like, from all purposes, they're going to move Kanu Neal over to the weak side linebacker. So expect, you know, from right now at least, you're going to have Neal, Jalen, and LVE as your linebackers. It sounds like Kamazi is going to kind of be a safety back there next to Donovan Wilson is what I'm hearing. Kamazi is kind of more of a center fielder type. Curse is going to be there for depth, but also could, you know, if Donovan Wilson struggles at times, he could uh, he could could rotate in. I'll tell you what, what I really like about these signings is it tells me that that I, I believe it's the end of the road for Xavier Woods, man. I don't think Xavier Woods can outplay any of these guys that they signed uh, at the safety spot. I don't know if they're just if he's not going to make the team coming out of camp, or if he's going to be on the team but not just not hit the field much and be more of a special teamer. But I don't don't expect Xavier Woods to get a whole lot of playing time in in this defense. And man, now nah, that's great news for me because I can't stand Xavier Woods. He's like my public enemy number two because my number one is obviously Jalen. But my public enemy number two is is Woods. Those are the two guys that I just watch, and they just drive me freaking crazy. Um, Dallas did also add a little bit of depth, a couple, you know, journeyman guys there to the defensive line. Uh, they're not going to bring Alden Smith back, which I didn't really expect Alden to come back anyways. He just kind of kind of fizzled out at the end of end of the season last year. I hope that, you know, I hope somebody signs him and I hope he continues to be good, but it's just not going to happen in Dallas, which is, which is fine with me. So, yeah, man, it tells me that a lot of these young guys are going to be a chance to step up. Uh, I told you the other day I was so happy to see that Tyrone Crawford retired because he's one of these guys that I feel like always gets this praise like he's such a good player, but I never see him produce on the field. He's like he's just there collecting a huge paycheck for nothing. And I like the fact that we get him out of there means, from all intents and purposes, it looks like a 4-3 defense, both of our – Defensive tackles will be Tristan Hill and Neville Gallimore, and I'm here for that, man. Let's get these young guys in here, give them a chance. Every time I saw Tristan Hill and Gallimore last year playing, to me they showed they looked explosive, they looked good, they looked ready. So, man, I'm I'm really loving what they've done to this defense so far in free agency, who they brought back, and I'm even happier to see what they're going to do come draft time. And I don't think they're done yet either, man. I think that I think Jerry Jones still has one more big free agent signing under his belt. We'll just have to see who that is. But he never goes too early because he doesn't want to overpay. That's Jerry's MO. Hey, man, I agree with you when we text the other day. Let's get KJ right, and then let's draft Kyle Pitts, and let's go. Let's let's get it going. Totally agree, man. If I could if I could do two things, that's exactly what I will do. Um, I think KJ Wright has a really good shot at going to Dallas. And if they did that, then that means Jalen goes to the bench, in my opinion, and start Neil and 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 LVE and, and KJ. And then uh man, I hope Kyle Pitts is there at number 10. I I if he's there at number 10, Jerry's gonna draft him. That's just what my gut's telling me. Yeah, Jerry will pull the trigger on him if he's there, as long as somebody doesn't get him a few picks earlier. So we'll have to see how that shake thing shakes out. Last year I was shocked that CD fell in our lap like he did. So this year I'm hoping Kyle Pitts will fall right into our lap as well. Man, if Kyle Pitts falls in our lap, you know how explosive we will be on offense, man. I mean, literally. It, it, it I don't even want to think about it, man. It, well, and it's twofolded for me, man, because if Kyle Pitts is there at 10 now, Philadelphia just traded back to number 12. So if he's there at 10 and we don't pull the trigger on Pitts, then Philly's probably grabbing him at 12 to go with that Pitts-Goddard combination like they used to do with Ertz and Goddard. And to me, I do not want – if we're not getting him, I do not want him in the NFC East because I just think he's a generational – just a special generational talent. So it's not only from us getting them, but keep him away from Philadelphia. Absolutely, man. Hey, what did you think about all those trades between the Jets and the 49ers and uh, Philadelphia yesterday? They had a lot going on yesterday, man. 
Yeah, it was uh, the Dolphins of the 49ers. The Excuse me, the Dolphins. Yeah, yeah Dolphins. The Dolphins. And yeah, yeah. So a um, couple things that straight out to me. Number one tells me that Jimmy G's time in San Francisco is about over. Um, you don't give up three first-round picks and move up to the number three overall pick like the like the Niners did unless you're taking a quarterback. So I don't know who they've got their eyes on. Everything that I'm looking at, reading, it, it looks like obviously Trevor Lawrence is going number one, and it looks like that BYU uh, Wilson is going to the Jets at number two. They've got a page on the New York Times today about that on the back page of it. So, to me, with the Niners moving up to number three, I'm thinking they're looking at that Trey Lance from North Dakota State at that number three overall pick. Um, but but I'm not sure. Maybe they're going to go Justin Fields or maybe Wilson will fall into their lap uh, at number three. I'm not exactly sure how that's going to go. But you don't make that move unless you're going quarterback. So, that, that really – it kind of surprised me that the Niners went all in like that. I just remember it crippled Washington when they made a very similar trade with RG3 several years ago just crippled them and then it really helped the Rams rebuild their franchise with all those first round draft picks that they got from Washington so that was surprising but I'll tell you man Miami such a smart organization because with them then able to make the Philadelphia trade so they get the picks they get those first round picks because of you know trading with the the Niners and then they trade with the the Eagles and give a pick back so in the end of the day the Dolphins only move back from three to six they only move back three spots and they net a third round pick in this year's draft and another first round pick in the 2022 draft so they end up netting netting two two first round or a first and a third out of it just to move back three spots and and also you know kind of the opposite of that with Jimmy G that tells me that Miami I believe that they think that Tua is their guy because if they did not believe Tua was their guy, they would have sat there at number three and drafted a Trey Lance or somebody. Unless they're thinking they're going to get a Justin Fields and he'll still be available at number six, but I don't think that's the case. I think that they move back. They're going to roll with Tua and give him plenty of weapons around him. That number six pick can probably still get uh, that Alabama quarterback, Devontae, uh, was Devontae Harris. He should still be there at number six, I'm thinking. So, yeah, man, some interesting trades and interesting to see what Jimmy G's future is because I don't believe it's in San Francisco. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And in terms of Tua, yeah, um, Cameron Wolf on ESPN.com, he wrote a column, said, you know, in case, it, if it wasn't clear, Miami Dolphins are all in on Tua for 2021 based on all the moves that they made. So, man, I, I just, I'm still not sold on Tua. It's a proven year, you know what I'm saying? But, you know, he has the pedigree. The biggest thing is he's very accurate. He can throw. He's not going to grow. So he's got to he's gotta be able to manipulate the pocket, things of that nature. I'm pretty sure they, they said he's 100% healthy. His hip is fine. So I'm just looking for big things to come. I mean, you know, Trent Dilfer still believes in him. And I, I value what Trent Dilfer uh, says about quarterbacks because he, you know, he's basically births a lot of these elite 11 guys in terms of uh, the quarterbacks now. So, uh, yeah, man, it's just a prove-it year for, for Tua. Unfortunately, I think it also is going to be a prove-it year for Jalen Hurts, too with the Eagles, man. I think he's basically going to have one year to show what he can do. And if not, they may move on as well. So it's just, it's just like that for these young quarterbacks now, man. The Zach Wilson, he, he did look good his pro day. He threw some ropes, you know, um, seems like a kid that can handle that New York pressure. So let's see what happens. But my sneaky person for, and this is outside of Trevor Lawrence. We know Trevor Lawrence is be a, a star, I feel, but, Justin Fields, to me, is the sneaky person, I think, of this whole draft. And he actually beat out Trevor Lawrence in the uh, Elite 11 competition. And a lot of people don't talk about that. But I really feel that Fields is going to be the sleeper of this particular quarterback crop this year. So, yeah, man, it's going to be interesting. But I, I'm excited for the draft, man. Yeah, honestly, I, I agree with uh, with you on the Justin Fields. I was just texting a friend of mine about that a few days ago um, because he doesn't believe in Justin Fields. He doesn't really watch much college football. He's just kind of going by track record, and the track record is saying Ohio State quarterbacks 
don't produce in the NFL because no, that's that pretty much different. what we've seen. And and that's what I told him. I said, man, Fields is not – he's not Dwayne Haskins. He's, you know, not some of these other Ohio State quarterbacks. He's different. So I agree with you. I think Fields will be a solid NFL player. Um, I I am not sold on Tua as well, but I'm going to give Tua a pass from last year. Now that, you know, we're out of the emotion of the season and we kind of reflect on it, you know, last year was a tough time to be a rookie quarterback. You're coming in to a situation where you don't have OTAs, you don't have training camp, you're basically doing everything virtually, learning the playbook and that kind of stuff. I mean, to be a rookie quarterback and be thrown into the fire like that is tough. I know that Tua didn't have to do it from week one. He was able to set for a little bit, but it's still difficult. I think him getting a full off season of, you know, OTAs and camp and rapport with his team, knows the playbook, understands the offense, all that kind of stuff, I think is just going to help him greatly. Uh, I think Tua will have a bounce back year. I expect him to produce this year. Um, and also, I'm really looking forward to seeing Joe Burrow back. I'm hoping, I know I haven't heard much for since he's had that, you know, nasty injury. I'm hoping he'll be ready opening day. But I thought Burrow performed really well last year. And, uh, you know, with all that adversity of being a rookie quarterback. So I'm really excited to see what that kid's going to do going forward this year as well. And and while we're on the subject real quick of Joe Burrow, man, Cincinnati goes number five. If they do not draft that uh, Penne was a fuel, the tackle out of Oregon. If they do not draft him at number five, Joe Burrow should just hold out and refuse to play because they got to get that guy some protection. And he's one of the best tackles that I've seen in quite some time. So, uh, you know, they pick at five. They better go offensive tackle right there at five and be able to protect your asset. And Joe Burrow's an asset. Yeah, no, you're right. I think in their first two picks, they need to go offensive line, if you ask me, Um, because I still feel he has adequate amount of weapons based on what he did last year. Um, and he doesn't, you know, um, just like we, there's no more A.J. Green. So he doesn't feel obligated to try to force the ball into A.J. Green based on, you know, just stature with the team and things of that nature. But, yeah, I, I personally think their first two picks should be offensive linemen. Yep, yeah, I agree with that. And, man, I'll tell you, that's going to be really exciting. It's going to be so exciting to watch these, kind of like we were talking about in the NBA with all these young stars. The NFL has just so many young quarterback stars. You know, we're going to see – I expect all four, Trevor Lawrence, uh, Fields, Wilson, and uh, uh, Trey Lance, I expect them all to start out of the gate next year. Maybe not week one, but by week six, week seven, I think all four are going to be starting for teams. And then you add in the last year rookies like, you know, with Burrow and with Tua and, and you know, these guys. I just And then you add, you know, guys that are now on year three like a Kyler – and, and then you got, you know, young guy like Baker who's coming off a really good year. And, and of course, you know, your, your guys like Dak who are now in year five. All these guys are fairly young, and I'm just – it's going to be a crazy NFL season with all these young quarterbacks and watching them go out and compete. And, man, I, I can't wait for it. I'm ready to kick off the season, like, right now. I'm ready, man. Absolutely. And for Dak, for me, it's time for Dak to vault into that top five. You know what I'm saying? It's, yep. it's, it's time for Dak to vault in that top five. I really think he has the, the stature. He's got the contract. He's got the franchise. I, I, I really look for a big year from Dak this year, man, based on, based on you know, kind of what you're hearing and how he's looking and, and all that good stuff. So, yeah, man, NFL's in a great spot, dude. Great, great spot. Yep. Way too early predictions just two way too early predictions that i got for march that obviously i'll change if need be here but one i think joe burrow is going to win comeback player of the year because i think he's going to produce extremely well coming off of that knee injury next year and two i think Dak's going to win mvp especially if a if dallas is able to get Pitts in the draft if they have a Kyle Pitts with those weapons and a healthy Tyron Smith Lyle Collins you know to protect him on his tackle side I'm telling you Dak's gonna win MVP next year I just I feel it man coming out strong that's all right <laughs> brother that's all right I'm, I'm I'm there with you man coming out strong man well look man let's let's go to to Bristol let, let, let let's let let me turn you loose man and tell the the racing NASCAR fans what they can look forward to this weekend all right yeah before i go to bristol real quick just need like a few minutes on this i want to get your thoughts and then i'm i want to talk about it for a second and then get your quick thoughts on this but you know when nascar does a lot of things that are right we give them praise so it's only 
uh, it's only right that we give them negative when they do negative. Um, was that Atlanta race last week not one of the most boring races you've ever seen? I'm just going to be honest, man. It was an absolute snooze fest. <laughs> Dude, it was terrible, man. I fell asleep twice. <laughs> it was awful. And, and it's NASCAR's fault because Atlanta is an amazing racetrack. I mean, the fact that they have the 25-year-old you know asphalt on that track that just eats the tires away, that should be an outstanding race. But they had two things to me were just inexcusable for Atlanta. One, they run that that high uh, downforce, low horsepower package in Atlanta, which makes absolutely no sense. They already moved that package away from Darlington going into this year. They're going to run the short track package at Darlington where they have low you know, low downforce, high horsepower. They're going to be sliding around the turns. So why wouldn't you do the same thing to Atlanta? Atlanta essentially is a bigger, little bit bigger version of Darlington now with the worn out asphalt. So why they want to run that package, you know, we're drafting. You can't draft if you're sliding around on no tires. I mean, it's just, but, but you couldn't get a run on anybody. You couldn't really run the high line against the wall because you're running that low horsepower. It was just, I just thought that was awful. And then two, Man, that is just such a long freaking race. When the green flag rolled out and I saw that it was 105 laps stage one, I was like, you have got to be kidding me. Like, this is a 367-lap race at Atlanta last week. Like, man, it's time to shorten that thing down. They got to shorten it to at least 400 miles, but... In my opinion, some of these mile-and-a-half tracks need to be down to, like, 300 miles because that race just took way too long. It was boring as heck, and and I blame NASCAR for it, man, because Atlanta's a good track. It's your home track that you live by. I know you can attest. That's a good track, and, and good bad track produces good racing. And, man, they got to do something something else because I can't sit through another one of them snooze fests like I did last Sunday. Yeah, man, uh, they, they got to get it figured out. You're right, man. They, they need to go ahead and adopt that same package that they got for Darlington. And uh, just just like you say, shorten the race, man. I mean, these races, man, dude, it, it was so crazy. It, it felt like, you know, based on all the adjustments they made from the pandemic, remember when they got going and they shortened those races and you had those, like, night races and they were like just little mini heat races and it was exciting man it's like all that momentum they lost the momentum you know? yeah exactly the i mean that's what we need we need to go back to these little short sprint races i mean don't make them too short i know i see some of these guys on twitter are like man shorten these races down to like 150 miles i'm like nah, i don't do that like you at least, if you have a bad qualifying run, we at least need to be able to give you an opportunity, make the race long enough where you can come up to the front. So I get that. But, dude, 300 miles. If you watch an Xfinity race, the Xfinity race is action-packed from start to finish. The stages go by super fast. But they're long enough to where if you start in the back, you can move your way to the front. And the Xfinity series generally are running 300-mile races. So if it's up to me, I think NASCAR should leave – the big crown jewel events, Coke 600, you know, uh, Southern 500, Daytona 500, maybe even, I know they don't do the Brickyards Oval anymore. So maybe just those three. I don't know if you want to throw another one in there, but for the most part, they, they need to have those three or four nice long 500 mile races. And then everything else needs to be shortened down to like 300 miles because it's just, just way too long. Maybe you could keep doing a 500 lapper at Bristol in the night in August just for tradition. But for the most part, man, let's shorten these things up because I just, yeah, just way too long and not enough action. Yeah, no, absolutely, man. Yeah, I, they definitely should do that. And I'll tell you, uh, I, those those races at Talladega, I, I think those races, those 500-mile races in Talladega, I think you could actually shorten those to like a 400. I think one time they used to have a 400-mile race. I just think that track is so freaking big, you know what I'm saying? That 500 miles there is too much as well. But no, I, I pretty much agree with the tracks that you said should remain, you know, 500 miles. And obviously the 600 should remain a 600 mile based off of the tradition of that race. But everything else, yeah, definitely um, 300 miles, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, but all right, enough of the negative. I just, you know, like I say, just to be fair, when they do good stuff, we, we praise them. So when they do bad stuff, we got to call them out too. Um, but man, I am so excited for the Bristol 
dirt race. Uh, the heat races tonight start at six, and then they got the truck race afterwards, and then the cup race tomorrow. Does look like there's fortunately a little bit of weather in the area, so I don't know if they're going to get tonight's stuff in, but it's looking like we'll get tomorrow's in, but it might be later than expected, which is fine with me. They want to run that thing at six, seven p.m. tomorrow night. I'm cool with that if they got to, you know, they got to get the track prepped after some rain this weekend. But I'll tell you, did you get a chance to see? Any other highlights from practice yesterday at all? Yeah, I did. It looks amazing. It looks just outrageous. <laughs> it is going to be so awesome. Those guys were sideways. They were just, you know, on throttle, off throttle, basically 90% of the lap. Some of them guys, I don't think they ever had their foot all the way down. I think they were breathing the, the gas pretty much all the way around the track. It is going to be just, I, I don't know what to expect. Cause I don't think any of us really knows what to expect, but I can tell you it's going to be exciting. I don't know how it's going to shake out. I don't know how the track's going to be after 250 laps. A lot of times in dirt races, you got to kind of prep the track after like a 50 lap run, you've got to spray it down get it wet make sure the grooves come in i do expect one thing that i expect but i could be totally wrong on this is after about half of that race goes through it's a 250 lap feature for the cup guys i think at about lap 100 lap 110 it's going to be a one groove track just because you know the the one groove is going to come in they're not going to have a chance to put water down the track's really going to dry out and it's going to be a one groove track which i think is going to make it super exciting because the only way you're going to get around anybody is going to be to use the bumper. So I expect tons of, you know, spin outs, a lot of guys angry, a lot of craziness, and just just going to be a fun race all, all in all. So, man, I am stoked from it. And just that little bit of practice I saw yesterday just had me just – I was honestly in awe of what I saw in practice yesterday just because I never thought I'd see anything like that at the cup level. I And, and, and I hope that it just – I hope it doesn't, you know, amount to like a crash fest and there's not really a rhythm, you know what I'm saying? saying that's the yes. only thing i hope it doesn't become um i hope that you know they can get and these guys are professional they're the best drivers right so i'm pretty sure they'll get it figured out but uh but yeah i just don't want it to be a crash fest uh in in the beginning i, I would like for there to be some type of rhythm and just based off of what i see i can tell you man it's going to be a Bell, austin dylan uh larson maybe elliot uh We'll, we'll, we'll get in there, but I think those three guys are going to be the guys to beat. Yeah, agree with you. I've got five that I looked at before the race and before practice and then after practice yesterday. I'm still rolling with these five. Um, I think the three that you're going to have that are going to be the – the top three are the three that you said. I think Bell and Larson are one, two. I put Austin Dillon at number three. And then four and five, I think, are guys that are just have experience on the dirt who won an Eldora in the trucks, which means I'm going with Chase Briscoe and Bubba Wallace to also be Bubba. really strong as well. You know, a lot of people don't realize this. Bubba won a truck race at Eldora, so he knows how to get around on the dirt. It's nothing nothing new to him. He's running the truck race tonight if they get it in to just get more experience on the Bristol track. He's not running for a big team or nothing, but just to get him some seat time and get him some laps. So I think Bubba's going to be strong uh, whenever they drop this green flag. Kyle Larson's got to start at the back due to an engine change yesterday. He's got to start at the back of the heat and the feature. So no matter where he finishes in his heat race, He's got to start at the back of the 250 lapper on Sunday, and that is going to be very difficult for him. Larson is a great driver, and but, man, when he's used to coming in the back at, on a normal dirt race, we're talking about 15-car fields. This is a 40-car field at a small track in Bristol, a half-mile track. So if he's not on his horse and, you know, getting guy by guys, he's going to be lapped in a hurry if he's not able to, to do his thing. So I think that's going to put Larson at a really bad distance advantage plus you know with the chaos that potentially could happen you start back there in the 40s somebody spins spins out you could be you know end up junked out enough in a year doing so before the race last week i thought it was going to be larson's race to win for sure on the bristol dirt but with him going to the back i think christopher bell's probably the the guy that i expect you know to have the advantage but like I say, man, don't count out Austin Dillon, don't count out Briscoe, and don't count out Bubba as well because they're all pretty good on the dirt. Man, yeah, that's going to be pretty exciting to try to see him navigate through that traffic and hopefully he doesn't get caught up in anything because I would love to see it come down to him 
and C. Bell. And man, if C. Bell gets the win, that'd be impressive for a rookie. Two two wins and what the first uh, before before ten races, that'd be awesome, man. So, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be exciting, man. Hopefully, the weather can kind of cooperate with them tonight. Um, I would definitely take a look at Bubba tonight and see what he can do, and uh, hopefully, uh, he'll have a good showing tomorrow as well, too, man. Yeah, it would be pretty darn ironic for Bubba if he's able to get his first cup win at a track where there's no denying that you got to have a lot of skill to be able to get around a dirt track. So that's a very intriguing storyline for me. If Bubba was somehow able to win the race, um, I don't expect him to win. I'm not picking him to win or anything like that, but I do pick, think he's going to have a good run. I think he will be in the top five, top seven, eight guys at some point in the race. And I think if the cards fall right with the chaos, he misses the wrecks. You know, I really believe this is a true wild card and that something crazy could happen. So you never know, man. Bubba could pull off the win tomorrow. You just don't know. Um, but I'm going to pick Seabell um, just because, you know, if Larson wasn't starting in the back, I'd pick Larson. But with, with Larson starting shotgun, I'm going to roll with Seabell. All right, and I'm going to roll with Austin Dillon based on Larson, uh, you know, being back there as well. But we'll see. Larson may come back and just win the doggone thing, and that'd be exciting too. Yeah, and I'll tell you, hopefully some casual NASCAR fans who haven't really, maybe that liked NASCAR 10 years ago, who, you know, haven't really been keeping up with it much, have heard about, man, we're going to run Bristol on the dirt, and they tune in tomorrow, because I really believe it's going to be an amazing show. One of my friends, we go to the races together at times, but he's like, he's like a guy that'll go to a live race, but he's not going to watch it if it's on TV type of deal. We've gone to Bristol twice together, and Richmond twice as well. And he, he texted me and said, dude, I had no idea they're running Bristol on the dirt. This is gonna, I've got to watch Sunday. It's going to be awesome. So, like I say, he's a super casual fan. So, for him to be excited about it, that tells me that that hopefully we got a lot of fans that are tuning in and they're going to see a good show tomorrow. You got it, my man. You got it. Well, look, man, this has been great. Uh, we got a lot accomplished in an hour, which is always good. And, look, man, you have a great night. And we'll talk. We'll definitely text as we normally do the rest of this weekend, my man. Yeah, definitely, and then we'll have to get on next week, man. We got reaction to this Bristol race, and don't forget, you know, Bristol's this weekend, and then we roll Martinsville, Richmond, and Talladega for the next three weeks. So this is uh, the time of the schedule that I was excited about before the year, so I'm pretty pumped for this next month. Absolutely. We got a great stretch, and that nine has got to get a win, brother. Yes, he does. Martinsville next week. That's my pick. He'll win Martinsville. Early Martinsville All right, my man. Sounds good. Have a